So Marshall, this has been two episodes in a row where I've made the regrettable decision to eat really, really spicy food immediately before <laughs> recording. <laughs> like, I think we literally had to delay recording for probably an hour. I mean, we planned, we outlined, but I was in no shape to record for a very long time. Brian, we've <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> it hurts so good. Welcome to episode 407 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing? We got a fat outline, Marshall. Yeah. But I'm excited to dig in. Let's do it. Let's get started. This week, we are sponsored by Baron Fig Marshall. Every great design starts with a sketch. I don't know about you, but this is my process. Anytime I need to make something, first step is open a notebook, get me a piece of paper, Give me a good pen with nice ink flow, Mm -hmm. and I'm sketching. It is the fastest ideas to paper transfer possible, right? Like, you got to sketch. Like, even Figma's fast, paper is faster. And when you're in that ideation mode, when I'm in the zone sketching ideas, your tools just have to get out of the way. Enter Baron Fig. Baron Fig makes the most simple, useful, beautiful, and functional tools to help you think and write more clearly. They market themselves as building tools for thinkers, and that includes things like journals, notebooks, guided journals, writing instruments. They make this really nice, simple, minimal squire pen, Mm -hmm. bags, organizers, things for travel, and a whole lot more. So they have this whole suite of things designed to help you think more clearly. All the way from the basics, like they have just a basic dot grid notebook, but they also have these nice guided notebooks or limited edition notebooks that have special page designs that are meant to prompt you to write things. They have like a recipe one. They have a reviews one. They have a dream journal and all of these different prompts for specific occasions really add a lot of character. Anyways, I'm a huge sucker for the dot grid. That's where I do all of my sketching. Oh, yeah. And I first got my introduction to Baron Fig actually through GitHub. So GitHub had Baron Fig make our onboarding new employee notebooks with a nice debossed GitHub logo on the front. It was the charcoal flagship dot grid, to be specific. (laughs) We also got like a Squire pen with a little GitHub logo on it. And they're awesome. Oh, yeah. I used them to death. Notebooks full. Yeah. When they became our sponsor, they sent me one of the Squire pins. This pin feels really good. It's nice and hefty, and it writes really well. Did you notice that the notebook lays perfectly flat? No, oh, yeah. no, like squiggly hump of pages totally. in the middle to to write over. Yeah, having it lay flat is a must. Yeah, so there you go. Baron Fig, they make tools to help you think more clearly. If you use the code Design Details Twenty One when you check out at baronfig.com, that code Design Details Twenty One will get you twenty percent off your purchase of fifty dollars or more. So go ahead, treat yourself, get a nice, fresh, clean, crisp new notebook and pen and start thinking more clearly today. Thank you to Baron Fig for supporting the show. All right, we have a new golden ratio supporter this week. It's Plume. Plume empowers a billion smart devices at home and small businesses with a suite of adaptive Wi-Fi, AI security, and parental control. And they are hiring product designers to build the future of smart home services. They're looking for people with two to five years of experience shipping products. You can learn more at designdetails.fm slash plume. That's P-L-U-M-E. Oh, and by the way, they just raised a $270 million Series E. Ooh. So uh, now's the time. Yeah. Thinking of Switch. Yeah. 
So thank you, Plume, for supporting the show. Thanks, Plume. Vips, very important pixels. What a week, Marshall. This lineup is nuts. Quite a list to read here. Wow. Huge shout-outs to a new very important pixels. Shouts to Martin Totev, Louis Fabrizio Tessiera, Alessio Teclem, Tyrannosaurus, but not spelled quite like Tyrannosaurus, but yeah. definitely pronounced Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> uh, Rob Edwards, Leo, Eves Jacob, Claudio, Lucky, Niroshan, Powers Te, Damon Ahola, Jing Wang, Stephen Chen, Joel Laughlin, and Duel Zarigu. Holy moly, y'all came through this week. Wow, yeah. I wonder what did it. Just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. No, thank you all for supporting the show. Yeah. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you and the 17 beautiful names that we just read, and I hopefully pronounced kind of correctly, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> make it possible for us to record this show every single week. And that happens on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details, where for just a buck a month, just a buck a month, you can get access to bonus supporter only content. We call it the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. The sidebar is more or less an extra episode. Every week we cover a second design topic, answer an extra listener question, or today we're going to talk about past decisions we've made that we were confident in when we shipped them and then after the fact realized we've made a huge mistake. So if you want to hear about our design mistakes and get access to our sidebar backlog and get access to that bonus content every week going forward, go to patreon.com slash design details and consider supporting us for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. Thank you everyone who supported the show this week. And with that, Marshall, main topic. Yes. This week, we are going to be talking about the Pixel 6, which just was announced today as we record on Monday, August 2nd, 2021. We watched a couple videos on this stuff. There hasn't been a whole lot of information released, but enough out there that we can talk about it for a few minutes. So I'll kick it off, Brian. The thing that appeals to me most about this, and probably no one else in the world, but the thing that I like most about this new (laughs) hardware design is... The camera bump on the back spans the entire width of the device, which means we won't have any more of that fucking rocking back and forth when you put your phone on a flat surface and try to type or tap on it. You know what? I'm actually with you on this. We've passed the point of no return, right? Like the camera bump is here to stay. Every device has to deal with the laws of physics that just mean you can only have so thin of a sensor. I mean, heaven forbid we make the phone slightly thicker so we can lay it flat on the table. Anyways, I'm with you. They just leaned into it. They're like, all right, well, we're going to have this bump. Let's make the bump this like distinguishing design element that runs full width along the back. They used it to actually like create interesting contrast and separation between colors. They have sort of brighter colors above it and more muted colors below it. I think there's texture differences as well. So like not only is it a functional camera thing, but they also made it yeah, reduced the the wobble when it's on a flat surface. And then it like aesthetically plays into the overall sort of feel of the phone. So I don't know. It's hitting a lot of notes for me. Yeah, that two-tone reminds me of the iMac coloring. One thing that I always liked about 
the Pixel phones is the way that they would do sort of a accent color on the sleep-wake button on yeah, the side. Yeah, a pop. Gives it a little pop. Like I have the the last Pixel I got, I have the 3A, so it's a little old. But I have the white one and it has a orange side button. It's just like a little note, right? A little something different to make it stand out. And I feel like the Pixel also is kind of the phone that has the most fun with colors, with the oh, two-tone. Yeah. It's cool. It looks nice. They even named the colors fun, right? Yeah. It's like just black, clearly white, kind of purple, I think is one of them. <laughs> so like they're great. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking, Marshall. Nobody except, I think, a few reviewers have like held one of these briefly, but they're not, they haven't sent out test units to anyone yet. Yeah, it's just an announcement, really. Yeah, an announcement of an upcoming launch. But here's the thing that they did say, which I feel like, boy, oh boy, if Apple misses it again this year, they've really lost the plot, which is Pixel 6, 90 hertz screen. Mm-hmm. Pixel 6 Pro, 120 hertz. Ooh, that smooth yeah. sort of ProMotion feel, right? Yep. Come to the phone. If Apple doesn't do this, they're in trouble. So I'm glad. Actually, in fact, I think most other kind of like high-end Android phones are already at this level and beyond. It's table stakes. It's table stakes at this point. Speaking of table stakes that everybody else is beyond, this one has a pinhole camera, dead center. And that's all the more they need to take up the space of the screen. Everything else is just basically bezel-less for the most part. Actually, that's my question. If they only have the pinhole, where... There's no face ID. There's no proximity sensor or it's in the bezel. The speaker is in the bezel as well, right? That's what I'm wondering. Like, why is Apple so stubborn about this? Like, everybody else in the Android ecosystem has figured out how to obscure the notch. And Apple... I'm used to it. It's fine. But like, what do you think's going on there? I have a theory, Brian. Okay, hit me. It's, it, it is the same answer for why does the iMac still have a chin? And I think the answer is, I don't know, this is all speculation, but oh, I think the answer I, is, yeah, it is iconic going. and that's what an iPhone looks like. And the reason that I say this specifically about the iPhone is that when they released those like QR code things that were supposed to be like snap, what were they called? Clips? I don't know. I forget. App clips. App clips. Yeah. When they announced those, the little icon that they used in the center of that thing was an iPhone and it had a big ass fucking notch on it. And like, they're going to print these things and they're going to put them all over cities. And I remember thinking at the time, like they must think they're going to have the notch for a while (laughs) because that's going to be printed for years and years. And Lo and behold, it looks like we might be stuck with a notch like as an iconic aspect yeah. of the iPhone for a while. So I don't know, man. I think I think it's not so much that they can't, it's that they don't want to. That is a very interesting theory that definitely aligns with the iMac chin. I think that's a nice thing to point out. Um, yeah, because every other phone icon, it either is basically just a rounded rectangle or... It has the notch, and you can tell immediately the rounded rectangle means Android, notch means iPhone. Mm-hmm. I actually buy into that more than any technical constraint because it seems like everybody else has figured out the technical constraint. Yeah, right? there's nothing stopping them. They, they could do it tomorrow if they wanted to, but they yeah. choose not to, which makes me think there's a reason why they choose not to. This makes the most sense in my head canon. From a design point of view, how do you react to that? Like, If you could be design god of Apple for a day, would you make that same decision? No, I would have had, I would have been going full speed on cameras and sensors behind the screen. Any sort of hardware stuff is in the bezel or behind the screen. You're much more in favor of just get the thing functional and aesthetically beautiful. Fuck the brand element. Of if it. I'd never heard of a notch, 
that is not something I would ever expect Apple to implement in their yeah. industrial yeah. design, right? So if you said, hey, Apple's going to make a full screen phone, what does that look like? Well, go back and look at the concepts after like the first iPhone came out and people were just like, hey, what would this look like if it was all screen on the whole phone face? That's what I would design, just a bezel around the outside as thin as possible and the rest of it is screen with rounded corners. Like, uh-huh. But it's hard to trademark and have iconic identification with a rounded rectangle. See, I think I would make the same decision as you. I think I would go for what's the best screen experience, mm-hmm. uh, just end user experience, not worry about the brand. But then it just makes me think like, maybe this is why we're not more successful is like we're missing this thing that somehow Apple recognizes that what started as a technical constraint has become iconic. And mm-hmm. that's worth a lot of money somehow, right? Yeah. Oh. I mean, you can tell an iPhone at a glance. I, I couldn't tell you anytime I see any other phone, I couldn't tell you yeah. what the manufacturer is even, let alone like what model it is. So. Until now, until now, because now with this Pixel 6, it feels fairly iconic, right? Yeah, some of the OnePlus phones are unique enough too, right? Where they do like interesting camera cluster stuff on the back. And yeah, that, that's mostly how you tell phones apart right now, right? It's not the front, it's the back. Mm-hmm. And even there, mm-hmm. Apple and basically every other manufacturer have tried to kind of carve out their own little niche of, are they in a long row or in a group of five? How many cameras are there? Is it three, four, five, a billion? That's how you tell phones apart now. And usually that's how you see a phone, really, is someone's looking at it and you see the back of it. So when you want to advertise, uh-huh. that's where the Apple logo is. That's where the identifiable features are. Because the front is just a rounded rectangle with a screen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So we've got a new visual style for the camera. New colors, better screen. So they haven't released any details about performance. But they have been talking about the new Tensor chip, which is their system on a chip. And I think they're not going to say any specs for it. At least they're going to wait as long as possible because it's just probably not as good. I think the angle that they're going for is we're in like a post-RAM era. We're in a post-Gigahertz era. Mm -hmm. Like Those things no longer matter. What matters is what sort of capabilities are you able to put on the chip a la machine learning, artificial intelligence, security, neural networks on chip, right? Like all that kind of stuff. Like what can you do to enhance photos, not how much RAM? And obviously there's some some interconnection there, but my hunch is since they did this big announcement today and they didn't read any specs, that the specs weren't worth reading. So, you know, if they'd won the spec war, (laughs) they would have talked about it, but they didn't. So they're saying tensor chip, it's great. It's our machine learning chip we use at the office. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want people talking about numbers. They wanted people looking at these pretty renders and and think about the new system on mm. chip and interesting, yeah. You know, keep them the waters clean. That's my guess. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it comes out fall twenty twenty one. I will be getting one. I don't know about you, but I, test device or daily driver? At very least, test device. I mean, I'll, I'll have to get it for a test device. What do you think of this being a proper competitor to higher end phones? I think I was watching the Verge video and he, he said something funny. He's like, the old Pixels, like the four or five, they were nice, but they were kind of basic as far as build quality materials. They always looked fine, but then you held it and it never felt quite as premium, perhaps as holding like the iPhone Pro. But then he said the new ones, the new six is nice, but kind of nice. And he's sort of positioning this as like, 
this is Google saying, like kind of putting their foot down, like, no, 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 we're entering the the war for high-end phone purchasers, right? Like the $1,000 plus phone purchasers. Right. We don't know the price yet, but that's kind of what he's thinking. How does that strike you? Yeah, it looks like that range. And I think that's maybe part of why the five felt that way. It's like, the, I don't think Google was trying to make a high-end iPhone competitor. And if you look at the prices, like the Pixel 5 was priced really reasonably in the 5A, like so... They haven't been aiming for this top level market. And I find it interesting that the way they're doing that is with like a pro model yeah, yeah. as opposed to a uh-huh. normal model. Right. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Like, it's, I think it's interesting they use the term pro. They anyways. use the term pro. Yeah. yeah. What did it used to be? They would have. Uh, it used to be A was the cheap one. A was the cheap one. And then they had a regular one. And then they had a big one, XL. Right. Oh, yeah. XL. Right. Yeah. I think pro makes sense. Obviously, it's a little derived. So, like, this is Apple's thing. It's always been base version and pro. MacBook, mm-hmm. MacBook Pro, right. iMac, iMac Pro. Since the beginning, yeah. Since the beginning, yeah. It's always been that way. So I think we're used to it, just culturally. We're used to that association. There's the thing, and then there's the pro version of the thing, and the pro version will look slightly better and be slightly faster and have a slightly better camera, and I'm going to pay $200 more for it. Yeah, no one looks at the name of these two phones and wonders which one costs more, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I feel like they're just leaning into the expectations that everybody's kind of developed, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's just my hunch. Drafting, do we call that drafting? I mean, Jacob's Law, right? Which is? Oh, Jacob's Law, yeah. The thing that we've talked about that I always forget. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Jacob's Law is users spend most of their time on products that aren't the one you work on, so your product better work like everybody else's product, or at least the way that the user expects it to work. And so right. Pro is like, yeah. All right, I know what that means. I like it. All right. Well, uh, here, here, actually, here's my kind of takeaway. I think every Pixel that's come out, I've been like, ah, I think this is the year I, I try the Pixel. But then I just remember that Android kind of holds it back. Like, no matter how good the hardware gets, I'm always slightly worried about the software holding it back. There's just too many small details that you notice, and you're like, ah, iOS does this. It, at least it, for me, obviously, in a more familiar way, because that's right. where I've lived for a long time. Uh, I'm slightly more optimistic this year because Android 12 is going to fix some of the things that made Android annoying to use. Like just small details, like it will overscroll, right? Like just those little tiny details that make it feel more connected to you as an organic creature, like the phone feels more organic or the software feels more organic. So I don't know, maybe this is the year that that and great hardware actually combine and something magical happens. But I, I guess that's my only hesitation is if Android 12 isn't there, then maybe I'll wait. <laughs> uh, I'm on the beta, and it is very good, man. I, is it stable? I, is it working? I mean, the parts that I've played around with, I mean, I, I don't think it's like fully done yet, but all of the major flows like Home and like the Notification Center and Control Center and the basic built-in apps and everything, and, and some of the OS-level stuff like Overscroll, like you mentioned, all that stuff is working everywhere, and it just feels really good, along with like, Edge swipe to go back and swipe yeah, up yeah. from the bottom to go home. It's almost like using an iPhone, basically. Like the only thing that trips me up is pulling down on the home screen to search for an app. You have to tap you have like to the, pull. the search field at the bottom or pull yeah, up. You right? go yeah, up, you pull That's up the it. only thing that trips me up. Otherwise, it's a seamless experience moving from iOS to Android hmm, and back. Interesting. Okay. Well, let us know, everybody else. What do you think? Cool things? Cool things, Brian. You go ahead. Uh, my cool thing 
this one's a little bit risky because I haven't actually done it yet, but I wanted to talk about this because I, I encounter lots of designers who just want to learn how to make stuff. And one of the most approachable ways to make software is HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, making things for the web. The feedback loop is incredibly tight, maybe now competitive with Swift UI, but there's just a ridiculous amount of versatility you get if you learn how to write HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. But what's really common is people get the HTML part and the CSS part, and then they just get stuck on JavaScript. <laughs> and I know this because I was that person for a long, long time. I just couldn't get it. I would just try to do the tutorials. I would buy all the recommended books, and like nothing clicked for me. And it basically took years of beating my head against the wall to finally feel like I kind of got a grasp of JavaScript. Well, anyways, this guy, Dan Abramov, uh, he teamed up with an illustrator, Maggie Appleton, and they created a course called Just JavaScript. And this was actually like an email digest that they tested out beforehand. So there's emails that they would send out with just like principles and mental models and ways to think about JavaScript conceptually that actually tie back to make it easier to write JavaScript. Anyways, that has all sort of coalesced into this course. It's called Just JavaScript at justjavascript.com. I'm a huge fan of of Dan and everything that he writes. He was, I think he's still on the core team of React mm. and he's hugely influential in the JavaScript community. He is a fantastic writer. I've been following his blog for a long time, which is called Overreacted, overreacted.io. Um, so anyways, I've purchased this course. I bought it, the Just JavaScript one. And I'm excited to dig in because I think it's marketed towards maybe not exactly total beginners, but people who might be struggling with like the mental models or just want a deeper way of thinking about JavaScript beyond just like knowing the syntax, which is kind of me. Like I feel like I'm a maybe slightly above beginner. Like I can write React apps, but like digging into the the mental models and like truly understanding how it works is compelling and this book uh looks great and i i trust dan's writing so that's my cool thing this week i'll uh i'll follow up if it holds up cool yeah this looks really interesting i have never gotten past kind of the beginner level so i think this might be beyond me but might be worth a try yeah let me know how it goes okay Cool thing, Brian. My cool thing this week is a human being by the name of Brian David Gilbert. Oh, um, you had me there with that first word. First <laughs> name, excited. Middle name, lost excitement. Mm-hmm. Last name, got it excited again because I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, he is one of my favorite creators on the internet, I guess is how you could describe him. The way I found him was through Polygon. So if you're familiar with Polygon, it's a video game review website, and they also make other content. And the McElroy brothers were employed by them for a little while, both Justin and Griffin, and they are two of the funniest people on the internet. And after they left, the void needed to be filled. And that void was filled handily by a man by the name of Brian David Gilbert. And He is also very, very fucking funny and has since left Polygon to start his own channel. He's got a Patreon for support, but he's just making videos full time. And I will recommend a few things of his for you to watch in a few different buckets. So first off in the Polygon realm, he wrote a Pokemon rap using all 800 something Pokemon, 900. I don't know how many there are, but like a bunch of Pokemon. He cheats a little bit, but he goes through a lot of them and it's actually a, a really great song. Um, he also had a whole series called Unraveled where he 
ranks things and breaks things down in a way that is not deserved given the gravity of their import, such as like the military structure of Bowser's army in the Mario universe. Like no one needed to do that or, or which Pokemon could you eat? Right. Nobody needed, nobody needs Uh to do this type of research, but he does it and it's pretty entertaining. So that's unraveled. There's a whole, I think there's like 50 videos of those uh, in that playlist. He also writes a lot of funny songs. So for example, there's one that's still on his channel linked in the show notes called this video got me a job, which was his application to work at Polygon. And that's the video that got him hired. There's also another great song called it's time to get good at darts. And Just One Day, which is... Just One Day, I can endorse as well. That one was funny. Yeah, it's like a uh-huh. quadruplet boy band. Very funny. Uh, and then another recent one is That Feeling When You Bite Into a Pickle. The title's uh-huh. longer, but that's good enough to get you there. But here's the real juicy stuff. He started to make short films that are actually creepy scary. And they're funny, too, kind of, but also like creepy. Like They give you goosebumps. So one is called How to Make Jorts. Uh-huh. Doesn't sound like it would get scary, <laughs> but it does. Uh-huh. That's a good one. And another one is called Earn $20,000 Every Month by Being Your Own Boss. Again, doesn't sound like it'd be a scary video, but sure fucking is. Uh, and the last one is Teaching Jake About the Camcorder, January 1997, which might be his best video to date, in my opinion. Yeah, all three of those. We watched all three of those together, in fact, and they were delightful. Yeah, the reason this is my cool thing this week is because I forced you to watch some of these after we recorded yeah, last yeah. week. And yeah, but you liked them? Yeah, double endorsed. Yeah, yeah. I actually went on a huge kick. I actually quite enjoy, he has lots of videos that are eight to 15 seconds. And they're very, very funny. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But like when that pops up in my YouTube feed, it's like an instant watch. I'm like, yes, of course, 15 seconds. Here we go. And then I have a couple that I'm waiting to watch. I think he has like the ice cream one, which is 20 minutes, which I just need to get 20 minutes. But I see you have listed here like Pepcorn. He has like funny cooking ones. The Pepcorn one was hilarious. Oh, yeah. I skipped just the making like, food section. He has so section. many yeah. random, random videos. Yep. Yeah, I'm on board. I sub. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Brian David Gilbert. Uh, check him out. Link in the show. All right. Well, that's been it for episode 407. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. This episode was sponsored by Baron Fig. Every great design starts with a sketch. Get the best tools. Have the best notebook and the best pen so you can think more clearly. Go to baronfig.com and use the code designdetails21. And that'll get you 20% off a purchase of $50 or more. That's baronfig.com. Use the code designdetails21. Thank you, Baron Fig, for supporting the show. And of course, thank you all for listening and for our new VIPs this week, our new Very Important Pixels and everybody who's joined us on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash design details. For just a dollar a month, you'll get access to a bonus segment called The Sidebar. Sidebar. This week's Sidebar, we're talking all about our past design mistakes. So if you want to hear that, that's patreon.com slash design details. It's just a book a month. It's just a book a month. That's it. We'll catch you next week. Bye.
Did you notice that the notebook lays perfectly flat? No, oh, yeah. no, like squiggly hump of pages totally. in the middle to write over. Yeah, yeah, no, no crease mountains. That's right. That's yeah. I shouldn't crease say mountain. that. Uh, yeah, the mounds on each side of. <laughs> I shouldn't say that other mounds is mm, the mounds. <laughs>